have your Bible, please open it to uh, Hebrews chapter 10. We will be looking at verses 19 through 25. Hebrews chapter 10, 19 through 25. If you've been here uh, the past few weeks and you know we're going through a uh, series called Come Join uh, the Mission. And this uh, Come Join the Mission series is is giving uh, everyone a look into the DNA of the Village Church. It's giving you an honest look into who we are and why we do uh, the things that we do as a church. This this series is, is a call of duty to, to take ownership in the life of the Village Church. It's, it's an invitation extended to you to be part of our village family. It is an exhortation to be fully present. It's a challenge to be all in. And it's an opportunity to show that there can be real unity in the midst of diversity. You see, the ball of responsibility is being placed in, in your court. And there are three moves available to you once you have the ball in your hand. Once the ball is in your court, you have three moves. You can pick up the ball and you can come play the game with us. You can drop the ball and you can leave the court. You can drop the ball, go sit on the bench and criticize. So you can play, you can quit, you can criticize. What would you do? What are you doing? Do you know what to do? Remember our purpose and our mission to, to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus and to glorify Jesus. That's, that's what we're all about. That's our purpose. That's why we exist as a church. Remember our vision and our view of the future. That is broken people coming together to embrace and to extend Jesus' love. When you come to faith in Jesus, you don't stop having issues. He reveals your issues. And so as his people, we can come together and extend and embrace his love and extend his love together. Proverbs 28 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. You see, we have a mission that's possible because of Christ. We have a a vision that's going to get us beyond kumbaya. And if we don't take ownership of those visions, those statements, then they just become pointless words on paper. If we never take ownership of them, they, they mean nothing. It's just nice things that we confess each Sunday, but doesn't make any difference in our life. If, if the mission and vision don't become a functional and practical conviction, then they would just remain theoretical. They just remain theory. What would it look like for us to functionally and practically to take ownership of our mission and vision, both corporately and individually? Here's the answer. This is what it will look like. By the power of the Spirit, the village church will, will move beyond Kumbaya towards a beloved community with Jesus at the center. That's what we will look like. Beyond Kumbaya towards a beloved community with Jesus at the center. The church logo would be a growing reality in the life of our church. A cross in the midst of all of our broken places. Dr. Luther King says, our goal is to create a beloved community 
And this work will require a qualitative change in our souls as well as a quantitative change in our lives. Our goal and prayer is to create a diverse, beloved community within this church right here in Lincoln Village. And it will require commitment from us all. It will require changes in all of us, sacrifices from all of us. Our diverse, beloved community has three focus areas. Three focus areas. These areas are functional and practical gathering places for us. First, there is investment in Sundays. Second, there's involvement in small groups. And third, there's intentional in serving. Those are our three gathering places. Those are our three areas of focus. Those are the places where we're going to live out our mission and vision. Today, we're going to talk about the first gathering place, and that is investment in Sundays. We want to be a beloved community that invests in Sundays. And we're going to talk about that from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Here is God's word to his beloved people. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, Since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another towards love and good works, not neglecting meeting together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as we see the great day drawing near. This is God's holy, perfect word. Please pray with and for me. Holy Spirit, this is not my peace. Preaching is not my peace. Christ is. Christ is all of the peace of all of his people. And I pray, Holy Spirit, as our helper, as our counselor, as the third person within the Godhead, that you will minister to each of us today, minister to the the places in our life where we still need resurrection, minister to the places in our life where we want complete control over. Help us loosen the grip around our life and help us place our grip on the promises of Christ. And not the promises that we may get from this world, but the promises that we have from a God who is holy and perfect and faithful. I pray that you take this preached word and apply it to my heart and to the hearts of everyone that's here. And I pray for all of this in Christ's wonderful name. Amen. Zion Church is located in the Chinese capital of, of Beijing. Is it Beijing? Is that how you pronounce it? Beijing. How you pronounce it? Beijing. Beijing. Okay. Beijing. And Zion Church is one of the largest Protestant churches in China. One of the largest churches. And our brothers and sisters in this church are being persecuted by the Chinese government right now. Their troubles started in April when they refused a request from the authorities to install security cameras within the building they were using because the, the church, want, the government wanted to spy on their worship services. And so, and last month, the government officially 
ordered the church to cease operations, to stop worshiping, to stop gathering together because they were breaking the rules of mass gatherings that were known to be illegally banned. The pastor of the church says, I fear that there's no way for us to resolve these issues with the authorities. But yet, according to faithwire.com, the pastor also says that his congregation would not be backing down from meeting to worship Jesus, despite the escalating persecution. Zion Church is one of many persecuted churches around the world. And these churches aren't privileged churches. They're suffering churches. And corporate worship for, for them isn't a luxury that the persecuted church can, can, can enjoy without fear of persecution or death. Gathering, gathering with the saints isn't an optional privilege for them. It's often a necessity for their survival. Ed Stetzer, who works for Moody Bible College, says, persecution for many followers of Christ looks like abduction, rape, detainment, loss of life, loss of limbs. It looks like gathering to worship on Sunday morning to find all your, your, your church cross burned to the ground, your gathering spaces decorated with communist propaganda, and your sacred items stolen. stolen. It looks like living in fear of ethnic cleansing, organized crime, and terrorism as, as, a, as a penalty for living as a follower of Christ in the presence of an antagonistic government and culture. Persecution, he says, that these Christians and and countless others around the world are experiencing is real. It's not just discomfort for them. It's not just harassment. It's not just mistreatment. It's the kind of uh, fiery trial that that Peter talks about in 1 Peter 4.12, one that endangers believers' economic stability, safety, and sometimes even their very lives. That's not the case for the church in the West. It wasn't the case for the church in America. We freely gather each Sunday without fear. Thoughts of being persecuted for attending corporate worship never crosses our mind at all. We can share Jesus with our neighbor without being fear or being thrown in jail or losing our life. See, the church in the West is a privileged church. The church in America is a privileged church, not a persecuted church. And a privileged church often loves her privileges more than she loved Jesus. A privileged church where believers can hop from church to church until they find the one with the best amenities they can consume. A privileged church where infighting and division is enjoyed, is enjoyed more than fellowship and unity. A privileged church where doing life with other believers isn't a priority. We are a privileged church where corporate worship is just optional. One of many things that we can do with our time. See, in the South, growing, going to church on Sunday is just like watching football on Saturdays. It's just what we do, right? It's what we do. It's cultural. It's a habit. And if you grew up growing to church your whole life, every Sunday and Wednesday, because your parents made you go, it's easy for corporate worship to become a mundane routine for you. And that's my encouragement to each of you young people. Don't grow up and look back on this time and just say, I only came because my parents made me come. This time is important. And as a young person, you can worship Jesus too. You can enjoy him too. You make that choice. You choose other things to do. 
You can choose whether or not as a young person when you come in here each week to worship Jesus. You make that choice. I encourage you to worship him because he wants your worship. And so we can develop this attitude that I've been there and I've done that. And it's easy to get to a place where we take corporate worship for granted. You see, our church privilege makes it easy for us to take this time for granted. It is. It's so easy to take for granted what you assume you may never lose. It's so easy to to take for granted what you think you are entitled to. It's so easy to take for granted what you assume will always be here. I found a quote online this week that says, we often take for granted the very things that most deserve our gratitude. I pray that it won't take persecution for the church in the West to value corporate worship and the gathering with the saints. Because there's other brothers and sisters around the world who don't have this privilege. They will, they, will, they will jump leaps and bounds to be able to gather with the saints without fear of losing their life. Don't wait until the privileges and, and the freedom is gone. We can have gratitude now. We can be grateful now. We can invest in, in, in Sundays at the village now. Sundays are where we gather together for Christian education and corporate worship at the village church. Not out of routine, not out of obligation, not to please the pastor. Please don't come here to please me because I ain't your savior. I'm not your God. Jesus is your God. We gather corporately to commune with our father and to commune with one another. And so my challenge to you is, will you make an investment in Sundays? Will you make an investment in our Christian education? Will you make an investment in our corporate worship? This challenge is to all members and to all guests. The ball is in your court. And you can play, you can quit, you can criticize from the pew. What will you do? What will you do? What are you doing? In the Old Testament, the high priest had a very important role within God's covenant community. Do you know what the role of the high priest was? Do you know the purpose of the high priest? Hebrews 5 verses 1 through 4 says, For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of man in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. And he can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifices for his own sins, just as he does for the sins of the people. And no one takes his honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. See, the high priest in the Old Testament served as a mediator between God and his people. And that is what Jesus is for us. He is a mediator. He is a perfect high priest for every believer in the world, regardless of nation, tribe, tongue, or ethnicity. Hebrews 5, verses 5 and 6 says, Also Christ did not exalt himself to be made high priest, but was appointed by God who said to him, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. And he also says in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus is appointed to be a perfect high priest who acts on behalf of humanity in relation to God. He is a high priest who makes atonement for our sins through his own blood and not through the blood of animals. And Jesus' sacrifice 
was a one-time sacrifice. He doesn't have to repeatedly die on the cross. He doesn't have to go back to the cross every time you sin. It's one sacrifice. One sacrifice that is eternally sufficient. Just as Hebrews 10, 11 through 14 says, For every high priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ has offered for all time a single sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected all for all time those who are being sanctified. Who are those that are being sanctified? It's men and women who have saving faith in Jesus. And these people come from every tribe, every nation, every language, every ethnicity. But if you don't know Jesus, then you're still lost. The wrath of God is still over you. And the only way to freedom is through Jesus. The only way for deliverance is through Jesus. And if you don't know him, will you come to know him? Will you surrender to him as Lord and Savior? And once you do that, he will be your perfect high priest forever, your mediator forever. Those are amen statements, okay? Come on. He's a high priest who sympathizes with your weaknesses. One who has been tempted in every way, yet without sin. He's a high priest who brings you into God's presence. In fact, he brings all Christians into the presence of God. Think about that for a moment. He brings all Christians from around the world into the presence of the Holy One. And being in God's presence isn't like being in the presence of your favorite music artist or group or band during a concert. They entertain you from a stage, and where you sit in the concert determines how close you are to their presence. But being in God's presence is a different. There aren't any VIP seats for certain people. No backstage passes for a few select. All Christians from every tribe and nation are equally in God's presence at the same time because of their union with Christ. All believers are VIPs. We all have backstage passes. You need to take that to heart. So that means Christians in the West are no more in God's presence than Christians in the East and vice versa. Your church privilege don't mean you have more Jesus than the persecuted church. We have privilege because of the country we live in. Don't get it twisted. Because any other country, we wouldn't have it. So don't mistake American privileges as kingdom privileges. Those are two different things. Two different things. Because if I'm living in China and Iraq, God still loves me, even though I may not have the certain freedoms that we have here. He still loves me. So don't make what we have through our country a kingdom privilege. It's not. Because if you say that, that means those who don't have it don't have God's privilege. You see that? You can't do that. You cannot do that. All believers are equally in his presence. And it's not based upon where they live. It's based upon their Savior. Because all of us are in union with Jesus. All of us. And since we, his presence, well, I lost my place again. Okay. See, that's why I got to stay with what's on the paper. Where can I go from, from you, O Spirit? That's what Psalm 139 says. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? The answer to that is nowhere. 
Nowhere. In Exodus 33, 14, the Lord says, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. God's presence is personally, relationally, and intimately with his people at all times. It's a fatherly presence. It's a divine presence. It's a kingly presence. It's a priestly presence. And it's a prophetic presence. And through Jesus Christ, all y'all can have confidence to enter the holy place and the most holy place in Christ. But do you believe it? But do you believe it? In the Message Bible, Hebrews 10, 19, and 21 says, So friends, we can now without hesitation walk right up to God and to the holy place. Jesus has cleansed the way by the blood of his sacrifice acting as our priest before God. The curtain into God's presence is his body. I love that. And if you know Christ in the faith, you have the curtain. It's open for you. All you got to do is walk through. Since we have a great high priest over the house of God, we have confidence to enter into his presence, to live in his presence, to worship in his presence. We can draw near to him corporately and individually. We can stand before him. We can worship him without fear of condemnation. Do you know how much of a privilege and a blessing that is? That you can stand before the most holy without fear of being judged? You can worship him without shame, without guilt. You can worship him freely. And he won't turn his face away from our worship. He won't dismiss you. He won't dehumanize you. He won't belittle you. He'll receive our worship because we are in union with his son, because we are his people, because we are a chosen people, because we are a royal priesthood, because we are a holy nation. We are God's own special possession. You know, he's your treasure and you are his treasure. That's not amen statement. We are God's special possession that we may declare his praise because he has called us out of darkness and brought us into his wonderful light. But do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you live that? Verse 22 says, let us draw near with a heart full of assurance of faith, with a heart sprinkled cleansed from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. In Christ, all believers from every tribe, nation, and tongue have such a heart, have such a body. All, and all of us can draw near to God's presence with a heart full of assurance. Each of us need to realize that it's an honor to be in God's presence like we are as Christians. No other people in the world have that honor, have that privilege. It's not an entitlement. It's not a right. It is a blessing given to us through Christ. And through the Spirit, we can experience his, his, his presence, not just individually, not just with our immediate families. We can experience his presence corporately as a diverse, beloved community. Don't you realize that only Christians can be in Yahweh's presence without fear? Only Christians. Only you. Only Christians can stand before his presence with confidence. Only Christians can worship him with assurance. And how dare we take for granted what deserves our gratitude? 
corporate worship deserves our gratitude because no one else, no other people in the world can do what we do. Have the privilege to do what we do. Each week, we get to worship Yahweh Elohim. We, through Christ, have entered the most holy place. No one else can. We have that right. We have that privilege. And we should not take it for granted. And if you do take corporate worship for granted, just own it, confess it, ask the Spirit to change you, and move on. Ask Him to give you a heart of gratitude for corporate worship and gathering with other believers. Investment in Sundays at the village, it deserves our gratefulness, our appreciation, and our participation. You see, again, Sundays is where we gather as a local church for Christian education and corporate worship. And our Christian education isn't called Sunday school. We call it Sunday equipment classes. We call it Sunday equipment classes because we're using that time to equip you to live as God will call you to live. We usually call the equipment classes because we're using God's word and, 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 and biblical theology to equip you. We want to do what verse 23 says. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who calls us, for he who promises faithful. See, we got to have a firm grip on the promises of God. And, and our Sunday equipment classes are designed for that, to help you have a firm grip on those promises, to remind you of those promises. And so we use God's word and theology to do that. And these classes are meant to build you up. It's meant to edify the saints here at the Village Church. We offer these classes in our First Step Nursery, in our Village Kids 1 and 2, and our Light Youth, and for our adults. We offer these classes for everyone who's a part of this church. And we have SEC teachers that work hard throughout the week preparing for these classes. They are working hard preparing to serve you and your family and to equip you and your family. I'm grateful for them. Thank you for all you um, teachers that serve us well. And so the challenge to the members and guests is, will you make a commitment to our Sunday equipping classes? Will you participate? Will you come? I know it's hard for some of you to get here by 9.15 each week. Some of you are doing good just to get here by 10.30. I get it. Life happens. We go in and out of different seasons. I get it. But if you're able to be here, then I challenge you to make it a priority to be here. If you're going to be here, be here. Not in a legalistic way, but in a humble and grateful way. Some of you might say, well, Pastor, my kids go to Christian school. They get taught the Bible every day. I get it. Pastor, we have family devotions weekly. Pastor, I go to Bible study every week. So why must I come to SEC classes when we're getting our Christian education from other places? That's a great question, and here's the answer. Investment in Sundays isn't about you individually. It isn't about you and your spouse and your kids. It's about us corporately. It's about us as a body, a local body of Christ. It's about us serving and striving to be a diverse, beloved community. And these classes give us an opportunity to learn with and from brothers and sisters we claim we want to be in community with. It's an opportunity to be part of the body. When you're not here, you're missed. No one can take your place within our local body. I wish we had, we can clone ourselves and, and hey, that'd be great, but we don't have that technology. You're the only you. 
and your presence is missed when you're not here. They give us an opportunity to do what verses 20, what verse 24 says. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. That's what those classes are designed for. The ball, again, is in your court. What will you do? What are you doing? Investment in Sundays also includes corporate worship. And corporate worship is a time where the saints of God can come together and corporately sing praises to his wonderful name. And again, not all people groups get to do that. We do because of who we are in Jesus. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through Jesus, let us continually offer up sacrifices of praise to God. That is the fruit of the, the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. That's what we're doing each week. You don't, don't, you're not, you don't come here to please me. Don't join this church to please me. Come because this is where you feel like you can worship God and grow spiritually. That's why you should come. We get the privilege to, to do this each week. And corporate worship is a time where you can sit under the preaching of the word, it's a time where we confess our faith together. It's a time where we get to pray together corporately. It's a time where we get to celebrate the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. And those things are privileges that we get to engage in, beloved. Verses 24 and 25, let us consider how to stir up one another towards love and good works, not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. Those of you who have kids, my question to you is, what are they learning from you about what it means to be part of a corporate body, a covenant community of God? Now, we invest in them with the sports and the education, which is good, wanting to thrive, but what are they learning from you about what it means to be part of the family of God? Because they're learning something. What are you teaching them about what it means to be part of a community? That's what we're teaching. We are a community. We're not just checking off a box. This is important. Something, something, something supernatural happens when, people, when we gather for corporate worship. I don't know about you, but that's what I feel each week. Something supernatural is happening when I gather with brothers and sisters who, who believe in Jesus. Because throughout, throughout the week, I'm surrounded around people who don't believe. But when I come here, I'm with like-minded brothers and sisters. We're praising the same God. Think about that. Believers all around the world, we are connected with them through our corporate worship because we're singing praises to the one true God. We are not singing praises to a statue. To an idol. This is Yahweh Elohim. And we are in his presence through Jesus. This is not just something that we do because we live in the South. It's because we do it because this is who we are as sons and daughters. We can gather with our brothers and sisters and enjoy his presence together. We don't have to wait until we die to go to heaven to enjoy God's presence in worship. If that's what you're looking forward to, I feel sorry for you. You can enjoy it now. Right now at this moment with your brothers and sisters in Christ. The word says, 
God inhabits the praises of his people. And he does that globally. Oh, that's wonderful. You know what that means? We don't have to wait in line for him to hear our praise. He hears all of them at the same time because he's God. At God. To him, we're all sitting in the front row because he's God. Do you realize that? Does that move you? Does that encourage you? That this is the God that we serve. Corporate worship at the Village Church is, is a worship experience that is designed to, to help you worship our God in spirit and in truth. That's what it's designed to do. We want you to freely be able to, to engage in worship. If you want to cut, stand and clap, stand and clap. If you want to say, stand there, stand there. I don't care what you do. I just want you to worship. Whatever you feel like you need to do to worship him, worship him. That's what I want you to do. And we're going to sing songs and we're going to, the word to preach word is meant to engage your heart and, to, and your mind. That's what this worship service is designed to do. Not just our heads. It has to get in our heart too. If it never gets in our heart, we're just going through the motions. Head and heart. So member and guest, will you invest in our corporate worship? Will you make it a priority to be here? Now, no one can be here every week. I get it. I'm not here every week. We ain't, we, we ain't trying to be legalists about it. It's all about it being a priority in your life. Because all priorities in our life go, go to seasons when we ain't always committed to them as we would like to be because life happens. And so let's be a beloved community. That, in, that engages in worship together. Let us gratefully invest in Sundays at the village. CBS this, this morning uh, show currently has a series called A More Perfect Union. And according to their website, this series is aimed to show that what unites us as Americans is greater than what divides us as Americans. In Thursday's installment, it was about a Navy vet in, in Oregon. His name is Chad Brown. And Chad served in Desert Storm uh, during the Gulf War. He also served in Operation Restore Hope in Somalia. And, but when he returned home, he returned home a broken man, suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD. He says, it all came crushing, crashing down to one place, and it stripped me of everything. I lost completely everything. I became homeless on the streets of Portland, Oregon. You know, Brown hit rock bottom because of what he was suffering through. And he eventually got treatment for his PTSD at the VA. But his real healing and recovery started when his friend took him fly fishing. Now, I thought that was interesting too, fly fishing. And he says, fly fishing is a coping mechanism for me. It erases everything around me. It allows me to, to focus on what is exactly in front of me right at that moment. It may not have anything to do with getting the fish. Brown soon started a nonprofit that uses nature as medicine. It's called Soul River. And Soul River is a place where wounded vets and at-risk youths can come and connect with one another through fly fishing. And it's, a, it, it's created an environment for healing for them. It's a healing environment. It's a place where wounded souls can be heard, encouraged, and lifted up. One of the leaders of, the, of, of this organization says, fly fishing 
is my salvation. I come out here. This is my church. This is my happy place. What if we saw the church as a soul river? What if we saw that? What if we believe that? Do you realize that people are looking for what we offer? But because we don't get our stuff together, we can't offer them nothing? So they go to other places to find what only Jesus can give them? Because those called by Jesus' name are busy about other things other than what Jesus called us to do? What if we saw corporate worship like Brown and, and, and the other guy sees, sees fly fishing? Healing through worship. Corporate worship as a different type of medicine for your whole self. That's how I want you to look at worship. Not just something that you do, but it's medicine. A different type of medicine for your whole body. Can we be a beloved community that invests in Sundays? And Sunday is a different type of medicine that we offer to one another, that we offer to our community. Can we be that type of community as adults, and as young people as well. Let us pray. Fly fishing is my salvation. I come out here. This is my church. This is my happy place. Lord Jesus, will you make us that for one another? Will you make us that for those who don't have a place for their wounds? Will you make us a, a, a church that, that, that offers that hope and that place for those who are wounded? Will we be that for one another? Lord, this is not something that we can just put into our day timer and say, I'm going to do this today. This is something that we have to confess. This is something that we got to pray for. This is something that we have to fast for because your spirit has to do this in us. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you will. Do this in us. Make us a beloved community that enjoys worship, that enjoys Christian education, that enjoys